Hey everybody, welcome back to Noob School. John Sterling here today. I've got a new friend, Mike Grosier. Mike is a relatively new friend. How long have we been friends now? Maybe a little over a year. About a year. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Well, Mike, uh, I'm, I'm happy to have Mike as a friend. Mike's doing something really cool. He's got a very, very cool career. And for those of you, the noob schoolers, that are thinking about what to do. Um, Mike's another one of those people who figured out early on what he loved. And he jumped all over it. He's been doing it, you know, his whole life. And uh, I think a lot of us probably trade places with him once you hear what, he, what he's been up to. So... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm be sure, careful what you wish. I for. know, I know. I'm sure there was some, uh, you know, some early morning calls. But um, so Mike grew up in Philly, right? Philadelphia, yeah, Philly, New Jersey. Yeah, and he played football. Yep, yep. And uh, what was that like growing up in Philly? Uh, <clears throat> you know, I think like like anybody when you when you first grow up, you have no idea <laughs> that there's more of a world out there, yeah. and there's a lot of ways to grow up, but. But I grew up in a big family. I'm the oldest of five boys, mm-hmm. uh, so it was uh, we're all a bunch of goofy jocks, and uh-huh. running into walls and wrestling and yeah. fighting with each other, and yeah. we all played sports. And so it was all it was all great in the summertime. My mother would be running around, you know, five boys on five different teams. Oh my gosh! You know, you'd just come home and there'd be a pot of hot dogs on the stove. <laughs> <and> <laughs> feed did, yourself. Did you have a van? No, station wagon. Station wagon, of course. Now, you of know, course, that, was, yeah. that was the thing There back was then. no van back then. Yes. Maybe a panel van. Um, and so, you're the oldest. Did any of them actually try to whip you? Uh, well, that's a, that's a great question. Uh, my youngest brother, uh, he is actually like, he's not the tallest, but he was physically, yeah. you know, the biggest. So, I just remember coming home from college. I was 22. Yeah. Best shape of my life. Yeah. Maybe 20. And uh, he was probably, he would have been like 15 or 16. Uh-huh. And, and he whooped my ass. Did he really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah, so. Uh, <clears throat> you so, were just, you were sure you were walking in like no one's messing with me. Exactly. Yeah. And next thing I know, I'm in a, you know, I'm in a half Nelson. And <laughs> he's got some fireman's carry thing going on. And, oh. you know, I, it, I learned a valuable lesson that day. What pick, was it? Pick your spots. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's really, there's really. There's no, there's no winner in a fight either. No, I mean it's hard. It's hard to actually get a clean win in. You're going to get hurt a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, and were you playing football at Villanova? Did you play? Uh, I was going to walk on, and then I walked down one of the hallways, and a guy who became a friend of mine, Howie Long, Howie Long. <laughs> was in a was in one of the dorm rooms with another guy who was even bigger than he was. Yeah. And I looked at these guys, and I was a lineman, and I thought. Uh. There's no way, yeah. you know. This is this is a bad idea. Well, how pick your spot moment, you know. Right. How he was spot like not to do it. He was the prototypical NFL lineman. He just looked <clears> like <throat> one, right? I mean, just yeah. out of central casting. Yeah, six five, six six. Yep, big shoulders. Yep, square hips. Yeah, big square hips. Yeah, yeah. yeah he, he's a great guy. He became a great friend, but he. His story is amazing too. I mean, he uh, he showed up at campus at about 215 pounds. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, he kind of grew up in a foster environment and uh, getting three square meals a day, his body oh. just absorbed 40 pounds oh, like, wow. overnight. So he went from 215 to 255 just yeah. in summer school. Just from eating. Just from eating, getting fed, yeah. you know. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. He's our first investor in the project. Is first he? guy to write a check. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, Okay, and so what did you major in at Villanova? 
I ended up getting a degree in communication. Communication. Okay. <clears throat> yep. And while you were there, didn't you get some exposure to service business, or did you not? Did you? Yeah, yeah. I think even in college, or yeah. even in high school, I started working in restaurants. Okay. Uh, and then restaurants became restaurants and bars, you know, and then running a couple bars. So I, I, I definitely got the, the bug early on. I yeah. think, you know, even as a kid, my parents would entertain a lot. So I would yeah. be like... 12 years old and I'd be behind the bar you yeah. know, making drinks, yeah. you know, uh, very strong drinks as right. I remember. Uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah. So I, I just enjoyed entertaining people. Yeah. I enjoyed, uh, people having a good time and in, in the, you know, in, in the environment that I was in and doing mm-hmm. whatever I could to make yeah. that enjoyable. Yeah. So that kind of leads to the point of you found that thing you liked really before even college, you like working in the service business. Um, working for a restaurant or a bar or whatever, you know, making people happy, help, you know, creating a party, you know, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. true. Okay. And so when you got out, it made sense for you to go to work for the best place you could in that field, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't know that I was that smart in the moment, <laughs> <laughs> to be honest with you. It's a good story, though. It's a good story, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think, uh, you know, as, as, as we'll talk, I mean, probably – Four of the six jobs I've had in my career never existed before me. Yeah. I was the first guy yeah. in them. Um, but at the t- I went to New York. I was trying to be an actor at the time. That was one of the core classes in the communications degree. And I thought, yeah, I'll give it a shot. And I was up for Woody on Cheers and a couple of things. I didn't get them. Mm-hmm. But I had a girlfriend that pointed me to the Hard Rock Cafe, which mm-hmm. had only been open four or five months at that point, mm-hmm. um, and suggested I go get a job there. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be another starving actor, you know, mm-hmm. and I and I walked in and I just loved the place. It was a, it was a value based business, you know. Um, rock and roll memorabilia became a big part of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think for for people who weren't around then, rock and roll memorabilia didn't even really exist. You yeah, know, it was whatever t shirt you had at home or or this idea that you could see your, <clears throat> your hero's guitar on right, a wall right. was just not possible. You know, like there was no way unless you went to the show. Yeah, and so. Whether it was Prince's purple rain jacket or Eddie Van Halen's guitar from Jump, you know, it was really uh, it was really cool back mm-hmm. in those days, mm-hmm. you know, and 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 it was a, it was a business with a message, you know, love all, serve all, uh, you know. I thought it was a really kind of inspired uh, idea, yeah. and that was something that always had touched my soul too, like just being part of something that was bigger than yourself. Uh, some people find that in religion. I seem to find it in entertainment, I yeah, think. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so being part of something bigger than yourself and, and, uh, and trying to contribute at the same time was, you know, was really inspiring to me. Right. <clears throat> so acting would have been plan A if it worked. It's really yeah. A very low probability, but you tried that. Tried that, yep. And, and so you went back to something that you knew and you liked Yep. Uh, and, and the hard rock was a good match. And so you flourished there. You got to know the owner, right? Yes, Isaac Tigret. Isaac Tigret. And and you became, what happened? Did you become like a manager of the place? Yeah, I or? worked my way up into management, okay. the senior management. You know, I ran all the different departments. So, you know, I, I spent plenty of time in the kitchen, plenty yeah. of time. Washed plenty of dishes, bust plenty of tables, you know. Uh, this is Made a- the music, you know, that people heard. I, I, I was... In charge of the music uh, for years, so love to rock the house. Yeah, very nice. Yeah. How many uh, tunes did you have to choose from? Oh, jeez, thousands and thousands. Thousands and thousands. Yeah. So how do you narrow that down for a playlist? 
Well, you know, you try to create a mood. I, I would try to create a mood and a, and a pace. Okay. Like, you know, Tuesday lunch is different than Saturday night at 11 o'clock. Yeah. You know, so, um, so I think, you know, you could be more thoughtful and down-tempo, yeah. you know, when the business called for it. But when it was time to hump, you yeah. know, you had to have, you know, you had to have a fast-paced tune. Yeah. <clears throat> and I never liked to have too great a transition. I think, you know, in the nightclub business I learned over the years, you know, you like to build it up and then bring it down. Mm-hmm. But in, uh, in a restaurant business, build it up and keep it up, mm. you know, and, and keep that pace going. Yeah. So the kitchen, the servers, the host stand, everybody is... You know, just yeah. moving. People eating faster. <laughs> yes. And we turn it up, too. Yeah. You know, that was the other thing we learned in those days. Yeah. People tended to linger less if uh, if you turned it up. And yeah. The Hard Rock was such a phenomenon in those days. Yeah. I mean, we were People turning, wanted to come in, right? Oh. Wanted to check it out. We'd have a line all the way down 57th Street, yeah. a full restaurant, full bars. Then we'd have a line of people who were underage who wanted to eat there, and then also people who wanted to buy merchandise. So Ugh. we were running three lines at the front, Ugh. turning every chair in the restaurant 17 times a day. Jeez. You know, we were talking about it earlier. Uh, you know, most restaurants are thrilled if you can get three, three four turns yeah. out of your building in a day. Yeah. So 17 is just unheard of. That is. Everybody wanted to get in there. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, and it was a great it was a great era too because it was the beginning of MTV which was right around the corner mm-hmm. so we hosted the first MTV awards party and uh, is downtown Julie Brown there uh, she came yeah you no know, she was there in the she very did. beginning yeah. yeah yeah I remember her she was fantastic yeah she was good yeah good, the, the good DJ yeah so how long did you run that place? So I worked my way up there, and then uh, I went to Dallas as okay. a senior manager. To open up a new one? Open up a new one. Okay. Uh, and then Isaac sold the company. Uh-huh. Uh, he decided it was time for him to get out. And uh, I went to work for a nightclub company. And so I was running nightclubs for about three years. Yeah. And then he, uh, he started up the House of Blues and hired yeah. me as the GM and director of training. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So that started in Boston in Harvard Square. Uh-huh. Uh, that was the first one? Very first one. Okay. Little tiny house, you know, it was only 28 feet wide. Yeah. And uh, we had a capacity of about 300 people upstairs. Mm-hmm. And at the, in the beginning of House of Blues, er, he wanted everything blue. Glasses <laughs> were blue. Food, you know, even Boston clam chowder, we put some blue, blue dye in yeah. there. You know, Bangkok yeah. tie sticks, blue. Yeah. Uh, you know, salt and pepper shakers, blue. Glassware, yeah. blue. Yeah. Uh, and over time, we started to realize, okay, some things don't look good blue, you know. <laughs> Come on, boss. Yeah, yeah. We, we can't keep doing that. Yeah. Uh, but we, from there, we raised $36 million, and then we opened New Orleans. We opened uh, Los Angeles, had a lease in Chicago, bought a building in New York, and we were kind of off to the races. Hmm. Wow. And so uh, New Orleans is where you met our local hero, rock hero, Edwin McCain, right? Yes. Yes. He, uh, you know, he played the room multiple times in New Orleans. Yeah. We had a, a great sold-out show board that I started down yeah. there, you know, because uh, after about three or four years, it was amazing. The artists had already been through there. Yeah. The first four years, we had, you know, Bob Dylan played three three shows. Eric Clapton did four shows. Johnny Cash, B-52s. It was like a who's who. And, yeah. and I started to realize, you know, uh, for the for the artists that were coming in to know that this stage was special. Yeah. You know, so... You know, over the time, over the course of time, we had hundreds of artists: Elton John, Prince, all yeah. kinds of people played the room. Springsteen, 
Um, so uh, anyway, so it was a big deal to put Edwin's name up on the wall, and every time he'd come back and sell it out, we'd put another chicken scratch next to nice. it. Nice. Yeah, so it was pretty cool. So take a little sideways question here. When you're, you're working your way up, the coolest, you know, between House of Blues and, um, and everything else you're doing, what are some of the sales things that you're doing? Who are you having to sell to? Uh, and, and what's working for you as you hire people and raise money and all the different ways you have to use your sales skills to do this job? <clears throat> I think the first thing is you got to know your product. Mm-hmm. You know, I think anybody in the sales business, you know, you can't sell what you don't understand. <clears throat> so for me, it was always really important to have that overarching, what are we trying to do here? Who are we? Yeah. You know, uh, I'm, I'm a big believer in sort of an aspirational vision. We, we may be here. But our goal is to get here. Yeah. So how, how? What is this? You know, what are we? What don't we have right now that we want to have in the future? And so, you know, a combination of planning and talking about it, um, you know, and learning as you go as you talk about it. I think, you know, selling to me is also sort of an evolution, right? You start to find things in your product that maybe you think it's this, but other people find value in that. Mm-hmm. And so how do you bridge these two things, right? Mm-hmm. How, do I, how do I make sure I still stay true to the product I believe in and at the same time make sure it's evolving in ways uh, so that different people can find their own way into that product too? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then obviously people try to sell you at every turn. They're trying to sell you their everything, supplies, you know, their booze, their bands. What were some of the good and bad traits you saw in those salespeople? Um, you know, you see people come in sort of with an entitled attitude, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I kind of learned and it's not the same way now, but, uh, you know, when I was coming up, it was Bud Miller and then Coors showed up on the scene. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> and so I was running a club in New Jersey at one point and we were a Miller lighthouse mm-hmm. and we were selling more Miller light in the 600 cap nightclub mm-hmm. than anybody that either wasn't a stadium or a, uh, uh, or wasn't an arena of some sort. So I'll just never forget that the Coors Light guy came in and said, oh, no, people will buy more beer because our beer is not as full mm-hmm. as the other. <laughs> I was like, all right, that doesn't make any sense to me, <laughs> you know. Uh, but, you know, I learned also from a maybe it's a reverse selling, but, you know, having one person with their nose against the glass trying to get in, mm-hmm. you know, makes you more valuable to the two people that you let in. Mm-hmm. You know, and, uh, and and I do think that you know whether you're selling or buying, you got to be um, you got to be a good partner. You know, mm-hmm. if you're not a good partner to the products you're buying right. and then promoting, yeah, you know, then what are you doing? Right. And then vice versa, if yeah. you're buying this guy's product and he's not helping you sell his product, right. Right. well, why are you buying his product? Right. You know, because we're in a business that nobody nobody leaves because they don't have your product. Yeah. You know, yeah. if your products. O'Doul's or Guinness or Tito's, yeah. very rarely, if you can't have one of those three, are They'll you going like, to go, oh, okay, I'm I'll, out of I'll here. take this one instead, yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah, I'll, so, so the, I think the first time you realize you're not essential yeah. is the first time you really get hungry. Well, I love I that, that you, you want to be a partner, a good partner on both sides of the equation. Yeah. Both sides of the equation because, you know, if you... If you're not helping the other side, at some point they're not going to help you. You know they're not going to really be a long-term good partner. 
So that's uh, that's a good thing to remember. It's just that you know it's, it's not a zero sum game. It's a long term partnership, help each other kind yep. of thing. Yeah, grow the pie. Yeah, grow you the know? pie. Yeah. Okay. All right. So you're building up House of Blues, and how long did that go? Uh, you know, we started raising money right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, we started with about $7 million, I yeah. think. You know, that was Isaac Tigert's last $4 million. I think Dan Aykroyd <laughs> had 2 or $3 million in. And yeah. then there was a, you know, a who's who of people that chipped in. You know, yeah. George went from Cheers. Uh, yeah. Aerosmith guys came on board. <laughs> wow. You know, uh, <laughs> and then, you know, the local doctor and yeah. somebody else. Yeah. And, yeah, so it was... Uh, but that was to get us started, you know, at the time that was to build out Boston. We were hoping to keep new Orleans going. So there was a lot of moments where, you know, we're just, Oh my God, is this ever going to get funded? Yeah. You know? Um, but we ultimately did, you know, and then that turbocharged and finished new Orleans that Mm -hmm. started Los Angeles. And I think, you know, the combination of the timing of the three really put us on the map, Mm -hmm. you know, and then Isaac, Isaac didn't believe in marketing, but he did believe in PR. And so, you know, any interesting thing that happened, you know, became part of our story. Yeah. And the fact that we were a cultural uh, and, and value-based business also, I think, was part of the story, you know, at the end of the day. And we're representing Southern culture. We're representing African-American contribution to our music and art, mm-hmm. uh, you know, as a society. So there's plenty of things to talk about. Yeah. You know, plenty of ways to find something sticky for somebody. Yeah. You know? So y'all built that up <clears throat> until y'all decided to sell it, which was when? Yeah, so Isaac, uh, Isaac got tossed out of his own company <laughs> uh, somewhere around uh, year five. He sounds like a real character. Oh, he's the best. Yeah. He's my hero. I love you know? it. Yeah, I but he, uh, uh, he came from money but had no money, made a fortune, lost a fortune, made another fortune, yeah. lost a fortune. Yeah. Uh, money was never his motivation. But I would tell you, though, you know, in, in, he did more with money. Um, you know, part of the proceeds from Hard Rock, he walked away. Uh, when Hard Rock sold, it sold for like $65 million, his half of the Hard Rock. And this is in 19, I think it was about 1988. Mm-hmm. And uh, he put $18 million into a hospital, an open heart free hospital in the poorest most rural place in India, hmm. you know, and, and they today still do more surgeries than any of our three biggest hospitals combined. Wow. Um, just amazing. I mean, yeah. that was 18 million to that, yeah. 4 million to ARC, which was an environmental agency. Yeah. And, you know, he was on the couch with his last 4 million. And then uh, <laughs> his, uh, some buddies, Pat Lyons, uh, who's a big uh, nightclub guy in Boston, big yeah. restaurant tour as well. Uh, Dan Aykroyd and uh, this other guy Larry Bilzerian uh, came and said, "You know, we want to we want to do a Blues Brothers concept okay. after Hard Rock." Yeah. And uh, Isaac didn't want to do it at mm-hmm. the time, and went to his Swami and said, "You know, I've done this. Why?" Yeah. And his Swami told him that was high school. This is college. So then, what was going to be the BB Blues Bar evolved into House of Blues. Mm-hmm. And that became, and then it, you know, got all the depth of what the House of Blues brand represented yeah. uh, underneath it. Huh. That's cool. Yeah. And so, what year was that that y'all sold it? Well, so he was out. This would have been, I don't know, about sixteen years ago now. Uh, so, two thousand and six, two thousand five. To Live Nation. Sold it to Live Nation. And Crazy you, multiple. And you went to work 
I went to work for Live Nation and kind of continued to work my way up. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, with House of Blues, you know, I, I was a GM in Boston. Then we made New Orleans a training store, so relocated there. Um, you know, I've, I've been a I've been a sales guy all my career. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm big on growing business, uh, big on growing people, uh, and trying to find ways to make things better. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, I mentioned something about Tuesday earlier, but I, I I want Tuesday lunch to matter as much as Saturday night. Yeah. And it's never going to from a revenue standpoint. Yeah. But it can from the quality of of your product. It can from the quality of your service. Right. Uh, and if you're going to be great, you can't be great one or two days a week. You're either yeah. great or you're not. Right. You know, and, right. and so uh, that was the aspiration yeah. that uh, uh, was so important to us. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Yeah, I love that idea about you know, if if, if Tuesday's not great, you can't make can't magically just say okay, now we're going to do our we're going to really make it good on Saturday. Right. It's, you got to be you got to be one way all the time. All the time. I love it. I love it. So Live Nation is a big old entertainment company based in L.A. Right. Yep. International company, six, international, probably an eighteen billion dollar company now. And y'all re- own uh, theaters and and convention centers and um, no do, convention centers, but clubs, theaters, clubs, comedy theaters. clubs. Uh, you know, big buildings, five thousand, six thousand capacity. Um, and then we promote, you know, globally, the biggest artists in the world. Okay. And do they they sell tickets like Ticketmaster? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we merged with Ticketmaster. I shouldn't say we because I'm not there anymore. But, right. But but, uh, but yeah, the, the company merged with Ticketmaster somewhere around 2010. Okay. Okay. And you left Live Nation. I was going to get to that, but you left Live Nation, I mean, not that long ago, just a couple of years, right? Yeah, just a little over a year ago. Yeah. 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 Okay. For Greenville. I know that's what I was getting to. Just, you know, <laughs> after all this, this guy who lives in Beverly Hills, he wants to put a badass venue right here in Greenville. I think this is one of the most amazing, amazing markets, uh, one of the most amazing towns that I that I've been in. I've, I've had the good fortune of uh, running clubs and theaters all around the country, yeah. you know, in all the major markets, and even some of the small markets. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, this town. Just blows me away the the, the consistent improvement and growth, um, the fact that uh, you know you have the Peace Center and Bon Secours and and uh, and I think the the Peace Center folks are going to do some live entertainment or another another venture as well. Yeah. Uh, but I think this town is just screaming for it, and you know, we looked at it for Live Nation, and at the time, you know, Live Nation had some uh, positions in Columbia and Myrtle Beach and. Uh, I think Savannah, and so there was this thought that maybe Greenville was too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, but from my perspective, uh, being in this market yeah. and just seeing where it's going, and uh, and I and I think I said this to you once before, but to be here in August, and I've been in this market yeah. for two Augusts now, and to see how busy the weekends are, this is probably the only city that I can think of in the country that isn't either by a lake or by the ocean mm-hmm. that is busy in August. Mm-hmm. And this town is just rolling right along yeah. so i think between uh you know what knox has done and what the city leaders have done and and the city politics uh it just blows me away and yeah. so I, I became a believer and uh, uh and a devotee of of greenville yeah and 
I, I asked if the company didn't want to do it. I said, can I do it? And they said, yeah, if you want to do it, go ahead. Yeah. So that began my journey here in, yeah. in uh, raising money and designing this club and getting excited about coming to Greenville. Absolutely. So, yeah, so he's been out at uh, headquarters out in Beverly Hills or wherever. I know that's where you live, but wherever they're based out in L.A. and found this place uh, on your, your Live Nation tour, and now you're going to do it on your own with, with, some, with partners. Um, so tell us about the venue and how it's going and what it's going to be like. Yeah, so, uh, so, so a couple things. I think uh, it's a multi, uh, multi-use facility. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we have, uh, we've designed a, a 1,700 capacity uh, music hall with a wraparound balcony and seats in the middle. Um, and then we have a small room for about 400 people. Uh, with a VIP club that kind of sits in between, uh, we have a great patio outside, so and uh, and a lobby on the club itself. So, you know, we see this thing doing, you know, being open 320 nights a year. Mm-hmm. You know, the outside open at least five days a week. Uh, we want to be a great special event place, yeah. whether it's weddings or or corporate entertainment. Big part of you know making a, a venue successful mm-hmm. is finding. Ways to keep the lights on, yeah. you know, and do business, and and uh, so between creating content, putting local musicians to work, uh, grabbing you know touring talent, uh, you know, we want to we want to we want to give the artistic community a, a lot to uh, uh, we want to utilize it a lot and give them a, give them a lot uh, of opportunity to practice their craft, get paid for it, yeah, um, you know, and hopefully grow the whole music scene in town, yeah. We're going to so, lean into art. That was the other thing I meant to say. I apologize. That's okay. Uh, but, you know, coming out of House of Blues and folk art uh, and just seeing, you know, the power of art and creativity as a whole and uh, wanting to do something similar, you know, we're kind of leaning into street art uh, and uh, whether it's the Banksies of the world mm-hmm. and the Shepherd Fairies mm-hmm. to uh, local artists here in town. Yeah. You know, we, we want to have a statement. We want to have a point of view. We also want to rotate a lot of art. Uh, we're setting up, you know, some easels backstage for any artists that, you know, who are visual artists at well to give them an opportunity to, uh, uh, you know, to, to, to create, you know, and, yeah. and whether we help them sell it or it becomes part of our collection, uh, you know, we just, we want to let creative people create. And, and, cool. And I just believe in leaning in and, and, and believing in the artists and helping the artists be artists. So this venue will be, I mean, we know the Peace Center... Is a is two thousand seats and they're all like seats. What will yours be? Seventeen hundred in okay. the in the big room, but uh, it'll be a big GA floor. So we'll have about two hundred fifty seats. Okay, uh, and then about fifteen hundred people standing. Okay, so it's more of that kind of place. Yeah, and and I think you know that that lends it to more uh, to a greater variety of artists and music. Yeah. I think you know Where people want to. Yeah, people want to do that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's cool. And you're you're in the as I understand it, you're kind of in the final stages of raising money and getting yep. plans approved and all that. Yep. And yeah, the, we're, we hope to be uh, under construction in another sixty days. Wow. Uh, and then from there, it'll take somewhere between fourteen and eighteen months to get open. So we're gonna be aiming for Dave Chappelle opening night just for you. Yes. And uh, of course, you'll have to you'll have to maybe be the opening act and and give a little saxophone serenade. I can I can do that, I can do that. That would be pretty cool. And I, I'm sure Dave will break the smoking ordinance when he comes out on stage. 
Yes, he has to. He has to just come out burning. I blood. will not confirm nor deny. <laughs> we'll we'll let him get away with that. That would be so cool. Well, we're listen. We're also we're. I'm excited to. I'm, Getting to know you and learning, you know, your story and kind of how sales plays into it. I have a feeling that you, you know, you've had to do a lot of selling in your life to open things up and raise money and hire people and get people to move and get acts to come and you know, all the different stuff you have to do. It's all selling. Yeah. And, and, and I'm sure people like Edmund would, would attest that, you know, it's, it's an honest sale where you're going to be a good partner kind of long term with these folks. You have to be, I yeah. think. Yeah. You know, um, you know, we were talking about it before before this yeah. and just you know I, th- I think it's all about doing good business and good business to me is not trying to squeeze the last ounce out of the turnip right it's really about doing the right thing today with the idea that this right thing is also going to be uh, important tomorrow next week next yeah. year yeah um, you know I, I think if you're not growing you're dying right mm-hmm. so you know to me it's always about pushing the boundaries I think uh, I don't know if we talked about this the last time but I I've always found that you know my my style and what I look for in my people is this idea that you're in a bubble and the bubble can either compress to you yeah. or you can be like uh, Michelangelo's uh, or, or, or actually even the interpretation with the guy with the guitar playing uh-huh. you know but if you, to be really great you have to push your bubble mm-hmm. all the time you mm-hmm. can't let the bubble sh- compress you right. you have to strive to find just, a yeah. bigger uh, a bigger purpose. Uh, Try to be greater than you are today, yeah. you know, uh, which hopefully was greater than you were yesterday. Uh, but you have to push your boundaries. You have to figure out where the end is. So for me, it's always I've always felt like I'm chasing the big bang. I'm right behind the bang, <laughs> you know, and I'm just trying to keep up, you know. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a good place to be. I don't, th- I don't think I'll I don't think I'll ever be like completely satisfied. Yeah, you've always got this thing you're you're working on, trying to get done. That's good. So. Um, Mike, what's uh, what's your favorite word? Uh, I think uh, inspired is one. Oh, okay, I, I like that. I like inspired. Um, there's something else. I meant to hold on to it because it came up conversationally <laughs> earlier. And now I I'm lost. That's all right. We'll, I like inspired though. I'll, I'll stick with that. That's good. I yeah. Think, yeah. Being, and I think I think you you probably found that at the House of Blues way back when. Oh first yeah. First time, you know. Yeah. You're like, well, hey. even at the Hard Rock. The Hard Rock started it. That's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you, you were like, hey, I like this. Yeah. I can be an ambassador of this. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. Can, I can feel good. I can feel confident about what I'm talking about, yeah. what I'm selling. You yeah. know, um, you know, and sometimes selling sounds like a bad word. Right. I, I, it's not a bad word. Right. It's, there are plenty of. We call it partnering, maybe. Yeah. Partnering. It's a better word. Growing, yeah. you know, because I mean, you can't sell if you don't have a buyer. Yeah. Right or yeah. or somebody who's going to embrace the product, so it's it's really kind of it's more. Yeah, it's interesting. We talk about the do- doctor a lot. When people ask me about sales, I'm like, you walk in, they they give you a few pleasantries, they ask you some questions, and they prescribe a solution. I mean, that's selling. Yeah, right? I mean that's selling, but they don't ever say a doctor's a salesman. Yeah, you know. So maybe we should call it partnering. You know, we're all looking for partnerships. That's I think so. A better word. Yeah, I think fulfilling partnerships, right? Like somehow, yeah. you know, I'm I'm going to provide something to you that you find value, and in return, you're going to compensate or, or share some something level value of value me, yeah. to me. If there, if, to me. If, if, if there was no money, if it was all like barter, that would make the world a more interesting place. Yeah, yeah. It's I'm like, trying to raise 
200 chickens. 200 chickens. <laughs> Put me down for two. Put me down for two. Um, okay. I, I think I know the answer to this, but this is the last question is just about promoting, if you want to promote anything. Is there anything that our viewers that see this can do in relation to what you're working on, like anyone they can contact if they want to help or invest or, or anything? Uh, yeah. I mean, my email, I, I can give that sure. out. It's uh, Michael Grozier, M-I-C-H-A-E-L, Grozier, G-R-O-Z as in zebra, I-E-R, the number 17, at gmail.com. Okay, perfect. So if you want to contact Mike about anything, use that email. And um, if you can't figure it out, contact us at Noob School. We'll get it, we'll get it to you. i got a question for you. Yeah, sure. I mean, you're a saxophone player. You know, you're, you're an artist. Mm-hmm. I, I want to do... Unless you tell me this is crazy, but I'd like to do like one night of Shakespeare, you know, mm-hmm. just do a monologue, allow local actors yeah. to perform on stage too, you know, spoken word, maybe Shakespeare, maybe something else, yeah. you know. I, I just think the, the performance in general, you know, I think people want to be entertained. Yeah. And I think there's just so many different types of artists out there that, if given a chance, could flourish. Yeah. You know, or at least get better at their craft. Well, I mean, particularly, you know, with the venue you're going to have and the different options, I think if you could give people, if you could try a bunch of different stuff. Yeah. You could say, we're going to have the, let's say, the local, the street musicians night. Yeah. You know, where they can come out and all have a turn and we'll see how they do. And we're going to have the local uh, Shakespeare troupe come do their thing. Maybe an improv thing. Because the improv group in Greenville, which I've gone to their training before, they perform in a room that's literally seats about you know fourteen people, mm-hmm. so tiny. If we could give them a bigger venue yeah. and watch them work, they're very good. Oh, um, flying in today, there yeah. was a there was a an orchestra at the airport, yeah, doing uh, holiday songs, Christmas yeah. songs, and they were amazing. And yeah. it was probably twenty violins, three cellos, nice. you know, four some other stringed instrument, yeah. but it was all. It was all stringed instruments. It yeah. was fabulous. Yeah. It sounded great. And it, and I just think about, like, even uh, bands like that, where else can they play? Right. Why can't they play in a club, right. you know, or a venue? Yeah. I mean, we think of it more as a venue than yeah, a Yeah, I would love it. I think it would be great, you know, let's just say randomly there's a night. Maybe it's, like, it's Monday night, you know, the slowest night of the week. And that's when there's always, we're trying something different, bringing mm-hmm. in locals to do different things. Maybe it's an art show. Yeah. Um, I think it would be wonderful. And if it's not, you just don't do it anymore, right? So, I think you might have to be our house band leader. You've got it. I'm in. <laughs> I agree. Well, thank you for, uh, for being here today. And thanks for what you're, you know, another piece of the pie or piece of the puzzle for Greenville. So we appreciate that. And we're, we're glad you picked Greenville and we all want to help you. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And okay. I feel that already. All right. Thank you, Mike. All right. Yes, thank sir. you, John. All right. Appreciate it. All right.